0: This is The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Cindy Adams, Madam Adams from the Monday through Thursday columnist in the New York Post. Now, about a little dish. Patty LaPelle, I have just read something about her that she's putting out her old cookbook. Let me tell you, she's terrific. She started in show business so long ago, it was even before the earth cooled. She lives in Philadelphia, and in case whatever else is happening in our confused world, and this might have slipped our mind, she just said she is going to reissue her 20-year-old cookbook, La Belle Cuisine. Now, let me tell you, Patty is a chef who knocks off hot shot, hot pot, Meals to herself and friends. Like one four a.m., she made white jean burgers, fries, and onion rings. She thrown together some other tasties the middle of the night for Elton John. So let me tell you what happened to me—a story. Once, when I came to visit, the minute I stepped off the elevator to see her, her entire hotel floor smelled of liver and onions. And this was a seriously high-class major hotel. I said, Patty, what is this? She said, girl, burgers sat up, tastes like, and she gave me a descriptive word that we can't use on radio. She said, room service burgers cost like $100, and they're junk. She said, I'm a down-home eater, picky, and I hate throwing money away. About throwing money away, she also had 300 pairs of shoes, but this we wouldn't mention. She showed me in her hotel room her portable kitchen. She traveled with one whole trunk in which she had an electric frying pan, hot plates, two burner stoves, spices, condiments, and packages of wrapped veggies. She said, last night I made me okra, corn, shrimp with oregano, peppers and potatoes, also tomatoes. Tomorrow night, it's sautéed salmon with garlic, pasta, and snow peas. She said, once I came on stage with chicken in my teeth. So, listen, pay attention. Coming at You is the reissue of La LaBelle's
0: All the dish that's fit to air.
1: Cindy Adams
0: is on 77 WABC.
1: Now I'm going to talk with Michael Starr. Michael Starr has been the daily big shot TV columnist on the New York Post since 95, almost since somebody built the first black and white 10-inch set. And I intend to ask him if anyone ever gets cranky with what he writes. But before that, first... What's with all the oldie shows coming back, Michael? Kelsey Grammer, Sex and the City. What is that?
0: Yeah, Cindy. You know, I, I, I think some of it has to do with I hate to say it, laziness on the on the part of of um, you know writers and TV writers and and, and executives because when you have a proven hit you mentioned before frasier and sex in the city which both did well on nbc and hbo it's just it seems to me it's just it's so easy to say hey you know we we've got nothing else to, to going on let's just remake the original and it's it's a mixed bag sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um we'll we'll have to wait and see because frasier is coming back to, i think it's paramount plus next year and the sex in the city revival is going to come back to hbo Max, but it's it's a mixed bag, and and generally overall it does not work. But sometimes you get lucky, and these things take off, and, and they have a life of their own, but not very often.
1: Isn't it also a cheapo thing? Don't they save money with it? Well, y- yes and no.
0: I mean, they save money because they already they don't have to develop these shows because all every every the characters are there already, unless they add somebody new, but. You know, they're also going to have to pay a lot of money for these people who in in the preceding years have, you know, maybe their careers have really taken off. And so now they're commanding a lot more money. But it, it, it is a way to, to save overall when you have something that's already exists and you don't have to pay people to come up with these ideas and, and scripts and that sort of thing. Michael,
1: you said they don't always work. Why do they not always work?
0: I think shows that that are so um cemented in our minds the first time around. Yeah. You 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 don't you don't want to see these people again in the same role. It's just oh you know, <laughs> it's it, it, we we think of you know uh, Fraser uh, in Seattle and in you know NBC in NBC in the 90s and the 2000s do we really want to see you know Kelsey Grammer now, you know 25 years later? With less
1: hair. Yeah. Less,
0: <laughs> it's less air than he had. Even <laughs> even then, he didn't have much air. But uh it, it's. It, I mean, I always feel just like, why bother? I mean, like, why, why, why do this when when the original was such a, a classic? I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, There was a show in England called The Office by Ricky Gervais, who's very famous now. And it was a big hit in England. It won a BAFTA award, which is basically their Emmy Award. And NBC just decided to to remake it. And and I just, I never watched it because I thought, why am I going to watch a show, even though they had a good cast with Steve Carell was a star, why do I want to watch a show that I've basically seen already? And they even used some of the, most of the same scripts for season one. They ended up writing their own for... You know the rest of the seasons, I think it won seven or eight seasons. It was a moderate success for n b c but I think people who like the original so much they don't want to see it tampered with and 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 it's just that old why 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 bother and, and I don't know
1: okay so there's my next thing is why so many cop shows and shoot 'em up stuff? Every other show is a cop show. What is that all about? <laughs>
0: Well, it is. It's a it's cop shows are a proven commodity. If you go back to you know, the 50s, even and then and the 60s with Naked City, which was shot here in New York City, um, it's just and now we have law and order. It's it's I always think of it as just comfort food because people <laughs> yeah. know, yes, the crimes may, may be different, but, yeah. you know, that 95 percent of the time the they're going to catch the bad people in the end. Uh, with law and order, we're going to see them catch the bad people. We're going to see the them. These people brought to justice, tied up with a nice little bow in the end, and and there you go. And uh, it's just it, it, it's it's a very formulaic uh, uh, TV uh, genre, and it just works because people like to be. People like regularity and they don't like to be a lot of people don't like to be surprised. And if they're going to watch a show one week and see that bad guys get caught, they're going to want to they're going to want to watch it again the next week. And and you know, what, the only difference we've had with the cop shows, maybe it started probably in the 70s or 80s. Was the romance between the characters, and we got to see their private lives. And but even even in sitcoms, and, and I, I, one of my favorite, old time favorites is Barney Miller, um, from from the seventies and eighties on, on ABC. But it, it was a comedy, but it 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 was set. It was almost like watching a one act play in New York City because these people were believable. But you didn't really see much of the of the cast's uh, life off. You know, when they weren't on the show, you didn't know you saw Barney Miller's wife in season one and then they took her out of the show because nobody cared, basically. <laughs> okay. But um, the, the only like I said, the only thing I would add now is is the romance and the soapy melodrama, um, which people most people like. Some people like. I shouldn't say most. Some people like that. Some people don't.
1: How do you you, Michael? How do you watch TV in a darkened small room in the kitchen on your lap on a cell with your wife? What? How yeah. do you watch TV? Uh,
0: it's like people always think you know, the, the the guy who whoever writes the headlines for the Post, the New York Post, is in a small room with like a single light bulb dangling overhead, <laughs> you know, dimly lit room. It's not the case. No, I, I usually watch. Um, in, if I'm at home, I'm watching in my den. Sometimes with my wife, depending on what what, what I'm watching. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a big snacker, but I do have to watch a lot of television. And sometimes that could be from three to five hours a night, sometimes more. Oh, um, oh. If, if it's a show that I – if I'm going to be interviewing somebody, I need to get caught up with their show. Or if it's a new show, I need to watch three or four episodes so I can – carry on a halfway intelligent conversation with them. Don't you
1: have to pee in the middle of it when you're watching five hours?
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, the good thing is, you know, you, you, yes, indeed. You hit the And the older I get, Cindy, the more that happens, you know. <laughs> the old okay. prostate's getting bigger. You, you, you hit the pause button and, and you get up and you do your business. And I understand
1: that. I understand that. That's the important questions. Yes. So, well, 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 do you eat the popcorn, the sandwich, your cracked pistachio nuts? You're just sitting there for five hours like an idiot? What do you do? Yeah, if, if
0: if it's if it's a long night, I'm not a big snacker. You know, I I don't have the big vat of popcorn or eating, you know the eating a quart of ice cream. I'll, I'll just I'll drink some coffee or, or that sort of thing. And and if the show is good enough, you don't realize that you're sitting there for three to five hours. Uh, you, or if you're watching, sometimes I have to watch one or two shows, different shows a night. When the time drags and you start looking at your watch then that's the this problem. This is
1: not a good sign. Not a good okay. sign, no. Any complaints after what you write? Does anybody com- complain? I mean, they do with me, so.
0: Yeah, oh, well, I know you know that better than I do. You've been doing this a lot longer than me. And in, in, in this day and age, though, with with the web and and and, and the internet, it's a lot easier to complain. But that way, in the old days, yes, maybe I would get an occasional letter to the editor when people actually wrote letters to the editor with in yeah. longhand or typed yeah. them. Now it's uh, yes, I do hear from from viewers um, uh, who send emails in. Uh, I can usually tell in the beginning whether it's going to be a nasty one so I don't even I don't bother engaging people like that if it's somebody who's writing in with a constructive criticism or a disagreement but you know in a nice polite way because let's face it People don't agree on things. That's what makes the world go round. Oh, right? really? Like I would never have heard of that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's Imagine that. Time. People yeah. don't agree, uh, especially with with critics and and columnists, as yes, you well know. And 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 you know, it's either sometimes it's the publicist complaining, or sometimes it's just a, a reader who, who who reads this and says, you know, I can't believe you wrote that, or why did you write that, or or why did you write that? Explain to me why. And and I will. Uh, if that's the case, I'm happy to engage people. But if it's going to be, you're, you know, you're a jerk or you're an a-hole or, you know, that kind of it's why? I mean, you, 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 okay. you're, not, you don't, you're not going to get anywhere.
1: Okay. Now we got the Emmy Awards coming up. So who, in your estimation, is going to win What?
0: Well, I, I think for the Emmys uh, as far as comedies go, there's a new series, actually it's coming back for its second season now actually on Apple TV called The Ted Lasso. Yeah. It was a feel-good comedy starring Jason Sudeikis as a uh, as an American high school football coach, a college football coach who, who ends up um, managing a soccer team in 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 England in London. And it's just it's very heartwarming, it's very funny. Sudeikis is great and I think that's the odds-on favorite to win um, for the for the best comedy. Um, you know, the, the, the best drama is is a, a, a crapshoot, shoot, um, and I don't have the I don't have the list in front of me, unfortunately. I should, but um, I, I think there are some shows that are more apt to win. Actually, some shows that aren't that won't win this year because they're not. Even in the running because of the pandemic, like The Handmaid's Tale, which probably would have won something, and, and Better Call Saul, and, and and that sort of thing. Those shows have not been on for almost a year and a half, two years now. Well, Handmaid's Tale came back, but it wasn't on during the eligibility phase. So put it that way. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know, th- th- and there were some new faces this year, uh, which 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 you know is a. Is nice because the Emmy, the TV Academy, generally doesn't um, likes to likes to rely on old favorites, and that's not the case this year. So we'll 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 see what happens.
1: Did you ever interview? You do interviews as well. Did yes. You, did you ever interview any real pain in the behind who then came back and didn't like something or was really a, a pest to to talk to?
0: You know, it's it's generally I find that there, there have been some some unpleasant interviews through the years, but generally. I find, for the most part, the, the 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 stars or the people I'm interviewing hold it together. I mean, they might not be on their in the best mood. It's the publicists when you write who 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 complain afterwards. You know, I can't believe you wrote that, or why did you include that, or and yeah. sometimes they're even I, and I don't appreciate when they're on the call with me because they can really butt in sometimes. You know, and 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 but. You know, you back to the Emmys for a second. I I, I just was remembering Jean Smart, who yeah, was in an yes, HBO yeah, series called Hacks. Yeah. People are saying this is a career renaissance for her. She plays a Joan Rivers type comedian, and I I know you know you knew Joan very well. Yes, and, I, and and so this this is sort of hits home for a lot of people. Um, you know, but but others, other there's a show called Love Lovecraft Country on HBO, which was very good. Um, but, uh, Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet um, on HBO. It's another HBO series where she plays a woman in Rhode Island that's also gotten a lot of nominations. And Kate Winslet does not do a lot of television, so I think she's an odds-on favorite to win in the in the drama category.
1: The New York Post. Do they ever suggest? What you should do, or who you should interview, or how does it work? Does no, anybody ever um, tell you?
0: No, for the most part, I uh, I'm, I'm left to my own devices. Mm-hmm. I, I've been here now a very long time, and um, I, I I think I I know I think my editors trust that I know the TV landscape well enough to to have my finger on what people are interested in. You know, you have the occasional misfires, but uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty much left alone. And, and my, my editor, Steve Lynch, occasionally will, will mention, hey, you know, this this show's doing great on Disney Plus, Marvel Vision. You know, maybe we should do a story on uh, WandaVision. Maybe we should do a story on that. And I'm happy to do that because we like to keep abreast of what people are talking about.
1: Okay. And, and okay. that's been a talker. Okay, what is, this is like a, sounds like a dumb question, but there's so much changeability technologically. What is the future of TV? Will there always be television? Will there always be this stupid little box? (laughs) Will there?
0: I think, yes. Well, there will be television per se, in what form it's going to take. Remains to be seen. I mean, I, we we already see that. Uh, I mean, I watch a lot of TV myself if, if I if I need to on my computer, and, and people are watching on their on their um, iPhones and, and even on their wristwatches. It's like Dick Tracy, but um, you know, in terms of like what we what we consider traditional, the old broadcast like NBC, ABC, Fox, and CBS, they have been very challenged by streaming television and viewership among the broadcast networks I just mentioned is way down and I suspect it's going to continue to go down uh, that so road what will
1: of, replace it if it goes down well, what
0: I, I, the 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 online networks is true, like um, uh, Paramount plus and Disney plus and 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 Hulu and Netflix and 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 um, you know the networks have done a pretty good job of of, of getting your stuff onto the streaming networks. Hulu is it, for instance is a compendium of a lot of networks, and they, they do air a lot of NBC, ABC, Fox.
1: But basically you're saying the networks is old hat. Huh? Is that it? Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, and, you know, I was going to say the over-the-air networks, but they're not even over-the-air anymore. They don't, they don't even do the antenna thing anymore. It's everything's uh, digital, even even for the quote-unquote over-the-air networks. But I think as, as a medium, television is, go- is going to be here forever as far as I know and <laughs> we'll never know if it isn't but I think for the next 50 years it- it's going to be here and I would like to think that even the, the broadcast networks um, i I like to defend them because I still think there's some good stuff on there and, and cable w- will be around for a while but it's going to start to transition more and more to streaming television uh, where people can watch anytime they want whenever they want uh, whatever they want, and and they, there's so much out there, Cindy. It's just it's impossible to keep track of. But that being said, there seems to be something for everyone.
1: Okay, so if you had the ability to create a TV show, what would you do? What would you make?
0: <laughs> my my tastes run towards the, the old classics. I, I think I would try to do sort of a a modern day take on. You know, the fugitive I'm talking about stuff in the fifties and sixties I used to I'm a big fan of the untouchables and and have a gun will travel with richard boone and i, I yeah i am weird like that and highway patrol with Broderick Crawford but so I would try to i think do, i would try to take something that i that I like from that era and adapt it to modern day maybe even make it black and white like they used to do but you know what that that's probably- going
1: forward, we should go back to black and white. <laughs> how about, how about we go back to to silent silent films?
0: well, wouldn't that be new though in this day and age? you know <laughs> yeah. we'll have a black and white show on an all color network uh, they they've actually they've actually tried that a few times in the past. It does not work but um it's it's listen if we could predict what people want to see and then then there'd be you know m- many more hit shows, but I think streaming. Allows people to be more creative because there are no commercials. When you're, when, you know, we we discuss the network and sitcoms and things. You're always you're always writing. If you're writing a sitcom, you're writing a 22 minute script with commercial breaks. Yeah. If you're yeah. writing an hour long drama like Law and Order, you're writing you're, you're writing 44 minutes with commercial breaks. When you're doing a show on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or any of the others, there are no commercial breaks. You you can write. A half hour of straight comedy, you can write a half hour of, or an hour or two of straight drama. Makes it a little more difficult because you don't have the commercial breaks, but you can get more into the characters that way. And I think it's a more natural flowing progression of, of uh, a half hour of comedy or an hour of drama. I, I,
1: I complain about the commercials. Everything is a drug, a potion, a pill, a hospital, a surgery, or some miracle thing that will cure some disease that hasn't even happened yet. These are awful commercials.
0: I know. How much drift is he about, you know, medium to st- Medium to severe plaque psoriasis, or erectile dysfunction, <laughs> or, or you know, uh, yeah, know. you know, or, or somebody you know with with having a you know, they, or, or an antidepressant with a little somebody walking around with a little smiley face. You know, <laughs> isn't it tough to be happy when you're sad on the inside? But yes, I, I think the drug companies have gazillions of dollars worth of money, and 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 they're spending it. And and like the good the good news for television is that they're spending it buying mm-hmm. up. Ad space, so I, you know, we, I guess I shouldn't, com- I guess I can't complain about it in that aspect. But yes, it is so much of the same. And listen, we still have the these the good old, you know, car commercials and tire commercials for tires if you're watching a football game or, or a baseball game or something. But um, yeah, I know there seems to be I, I, to me, the pharmaceutical advertising has taken over. Such oh, it's awful. It's huge just percent, awful. You know, people sitting in... in
1: getting mat- enemas. We're getting enemas on television. Enemas,
0: really? people <laughs> sitting in, you know, side-by-side <laughs> bathtubs in mud for, like, you know, erectile dysfunction medication. I People riding bicycles in parks. Like, what, <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> what are you trying to tell me here?
1: <laughs> okay. Would you yourself... Hop- Shot like you are. Would you like to be on TV yourself?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I've done through the years. I, I've 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 been on, uh, you know, many talk shows and and you know, like Entertainment Tonight and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm I'm happy writing about it. Uh, not so much hosting anything or be, I, I don't mind being an occasional guest. I've written books in the past, so I've been on talk shows for that. And you know, Cindy, we're not mentioning your own show, which is coming up. Gossip <laughs> yeah. on Showtime, right? Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're going to be on TV. That's the end of August. On, on A four-part series on Cindy Adams and the world of gossip. So congratulations to you. I, I think people are going to be very interested in that. I'm giving you a plug here. So.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be – it starts on Sunday August 22, and then it's four successive Sundays, and it's going to be on Showtime. And it's okay. I've seen it. I saw pictures of myself 25 years ago where I looked a <laughs> bit better than I look now. So what can I tell you? Okay. Hey. You better give it a rave, you know, because uh, well, yes, because I'll- otherwise I'll kill this interview. You understand I'm going to look for you to give it a big rave. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, it's like you'd be like, you know, it's just funny you mention that because I just reread a biography over the summer of Walter Winchell and how how vicious he could be, especially if somebody crossed his path. So I, I don't want to get on the dark side of Cindy
1: Adams, You better so. not. And you know that my husband and Walter Winchell were brothers in law? Yes, that's right, Joey, of yeah. course. Okay, okay. Um, I have to go now. So what is the one thing, quickly, you would like to change? Anything on TV? Quick.
0: I would like to change the sameness of, of 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 dramas and the sameness of comedies, because every season there are eight or nine new sitcoms or drama or, or comedies introduced to the networks and on cable or wherever. And they get canceled because nobody cares. They're OK, just, it's the same.
1: The column, the column is correct. What you're saying is correct. And you are now finished. <laughs> okay. And I love you. And I'll see you soon. <laughs> thanks, Cindy. Take thanks, care. honey.
0: All righty. A name you know who's in the know. It's The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: I'm about to introduce Dr. Robert Lahita. Patients call him Dr. Bob. Professor of Medicine at Rutgers, Chair of Medicine at Newark Beth Israel, Professor of Medicine at New York's Rockefeller University, etc., etc. And just out with his 15th book, Immunity Strong. And my friend, a lifetime, Dr. Bob, first, tell me what what is this week's news on the vaccine and coronavirus? Nobody understands.
2: Yeah. So, Cindy, good to be with you. Thank Uh, you. First of all, the, the the news out is that people who are vaccinated can get infected. And the Delta variant, which is a very, very transmissible and highly infective Uh, Mutants of the virus, which I will explain in a moment, that can infect you with great efficiency, about 300 times more powerful than the alpha virus that we had back in early 2020. So as the virus goes forward, and remember, it's not living. It's a particle that uses our cells to replicate. As it goes forward, the more people it infects, the more likely it is to mutate and become something else, perhaps stronger and in some cases weaker. So that's called mutation upwards and mutation downwards. But we hear in the news about the mutations that are very infective and that cause very severe disease among the unvaccinated. And that's what the big news of the week is.
1: You're considered one of our foremost immunologists and the go-to for autoimmune conditions like lupus and arthritis. So you will know, and I don't have an answer, I don't understand, is it transmissible to the vaccinated? And what if they're wearing a mask?
2: Yes, it is transmissible to the vaccinated. And uh, President Biden uh Yesterday, I think, said that it's not transmissible to the vaccinated, and that's not true. And he was called out on that. It is transmitted to the vaccinated. The difference is if you're vaccinated, you're not going to get as sick as people who are unvaccinated. So I call this the pandemic of the unvaccinated. And that's very, very important to know. The pandemic of the unvaccinated, because if you're not vaccinated and you get this Delta variant, and even perhaps the Lambda variant, which is just out of Peru, another mutant, by the way, you could wind up in our intensive care unit on a ventilator, and your chances of dying are very, very good, despite your age, Cindy. You can be between the age of 12 to 60 and get this variant and really succumb to it.
1: Okay, when when it started... Were you in the trenches in the hospital with these cases?
2: Yes, I was. And that was a very scary part of my life because um, uh, I was chairman of medicine at the time at St. Joe's in Patterson. And we happened to have a tremendous number of cases, uh, largely because of a big Latino and Arabic community in the area, more than uh, just as many, if not a slightly less. Arabic and Hispanic community than Dearborn, Michigan, I'm told. But uh, the death rate was extremely high. People were dying left and right. uh, And every day I thought I was going to succumb by getting infected. I wore masks. I wore uh, shields over my eyes. I, I dressed up in Tyvek suits and wore gloves, sometimes double gloves. And I walked around the wards and it was it was like a tsunami of illness Uh, I started out on one floor, which I closed only to COVID patients, and then another floor, then another floor, then another floor. And I worked with a physician-in-chief, who at the time was Dr. Joe Duffy, and he's really a great guy. And the two of us put our heads together and said, what the heck are we going to do? So the main thing was we didn't have enough intensive care beds. We only had 28, which is a big intensive care unit. So we had to get another 25 intensive care beds so we closed the surgical icu we closed the cardiac icu we put another icu in the emergency room and all over and so on and so forth and we had all of these patients dying and i actually had a tough time getting intensive care nurses there weren't enough of them so they were coming in from colorado to help us um we we didn't have enough doctors and when you know when some doctor got sick and i had seven residents in my training program get sick they wound up in the hospital, uh, and if they didn't, they were quarantined and had to stay home for weeks on end. So the shortage just multiplied, and this whole 2020 was, uh, as Queen Elizabeth would say, Cindy, an annus horribilis, a horrible year.
1: I remember year. often that you actually rode in the ambulances with people. You oh, yeah. were on that yes. what what whatever that call whatever it was called to ride in the ambulances. You did that
2: yes. EMS. Yeah. EMS. And yeah. I still do that. I still do that. Um, I've been the director of emergency medical services now for the local town. I'm the director of the town I live in, and I'm director, medical director, police surgeon and fire department doctor as a volunteer, as a volunteer in the town next to us, uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey. And I am um, I'm not paid, but I enjoy doing it because it's really going out there and helping people at their worst time. And And when I when Cindy and I and I don't know if your listeners know this, but you were very big during nine eleven, writing some wonderful pieces. And you and I spoke.
1: Yeah, I know. At length, yeah. 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 Uh,
2: and during nine eleven, and And I was director then as a hobby. I was that was not my full time job. I was medical director for emergency services of Hudson County, New Jersey, which included Jersey City and Bayonne and Edgewater and Fort Lee and all that. Okay.
1: let me ask you before I get to your book, which I know I'm stuck with having to talk about. But before I want it, I want some free medical advice to put it simply, Dr. Bob. What are we plain, simple souls supposed to do? How are we to survive right now?
2: Okay. so right now, the way we survive is we if we are vaccinated, we and if we're not vaccinated, you go out there to your CVS, to your free vaccination site. Most hospitals have a free site and are giving vaccines. You get yourself a vaccination, either Moderna, the Pfizer vaccine, or the J&J one-shot deal. And that's your best bet right now. Now, if you're in a closed space, like a church, a gymnasium, uh, you know, up Yankee Stadium, and you don't know if the guy or lady next to you is vaccinated, wear a mask. That person who doesn't have a mask may not be vaccinated. And he or she, and I hear this all the time, you know, oh, excuse my coughing and sneezing, doctor. They come into my examining room and they say, I have allergies. Well, I don't know that. I don't know they have allergies. They could be sporting the COVID variant, the Delta variant. And I don't want to take any chances. So I wear a mask and I wash my hands before I see the patient and after I get finished with the patient And I wear, uh, I I keep my distance, except when I'm examining the patient. But again, I wash my hands. And that's the best thing you can do right now to protect yourself.
1: Tell me, tell me what is happening. We're reading about it every day with the Olympics and Japan. It's a mess. But what actually is happening?
2: Oh, it, it is a bit of a mess. Now, the Japanese people are not happy with the fact that the Olympics are happening. Japan... At last, and I have the statistics right in front of me here. I'm glad you asked me this. Japan, only 17% of the population have been immunized versus 68% of Americans. So in Japan and in India and in Brazil, the numbers of vaccinated people are very low. And therein lies the problem. The problem is that the people of Japan are not terribly vaccinated and the Delta variant is, is running rampant. In a country like Japan. Now, there's also a shortage of doctors and nurses uh, in Japan. Um, Only doctors and nurses in Japan are allowed to give injections so that only they can give you the vaccine if you're there as a as a person living in Japan.
1: But we have a we have a plethora of physicians from India, China, many countries. Why is there a dearth from Japan?
2: Uh, I guess because the society in Japan, first of all, it's very difficult to function in Japan unless you speak Japanese. And I don't think the Indians and Spanish and Americans would be ready to go over there, nor do I think that the Japanese would have us. They have to import their vaccines and they're not likely to import doctors. There are strict, uh, severe restrictions on mandatory quarantining in Japan and I think one Japanese doctor who uh, I I don't know, but I hear quoted Dr. Hitoshi Oshitani, who is one of the health ministers, uh, says the three C's, avoid closed spaces, avoid crowds, and avoid contact situations with other people. He's put that out throughout the Japanese media, and that's why there's no audiences at the Olympics, just the Olympians. And now there's over 1,200 cases of Olympians from all parts of the world who are positive for COVID.
1: Isn't it so that Japan is not really welcoming all these foreigners coming in for the Olympics?
2: That's correct. They are not welcoming them at all. But fortunately, when they come in and they are they are tested, as soon as you get off the plane, you are tested not once, but perhaps several times. And you go to the Olympic village and you continue to get tested. Yes. these And, and you know, the Japanese are very fond of quarantining, as I said. So you will be quarantined and you will not be allowed to mingle with either the Olympians or the people, the regular Japanese people in Tokyo or other parts of the country.
1: Okay, I want to get to your new book. But one last question. What would be the best way to handle the current Olympics problem in Japan other than not to have the Olympics?
2: (laughs) Well, that's been tossed around. Uh, People have said, including the health minister of Japan, that maybe this is not a good time to have the olympics but remember it was postponed from last year yeah and uh right now all the restrictions have loosened up uh i frankly am not in a position to recommend to the japanese what they should do but it is it is an issue and um i think the japanese are on top of it and right now the prime minister who i heard last night speaking said that he was very happy to uh to host the Olympics.
1: Right ah, he's now. an idiot. OK, so. onward. I'm, I want to hear very much about your... Well, he is. I want to talk about the new book. I've I've heard so much about it. This is your 15th book that I myself have read. This is called Immunity Strong. You are reporting that a natural healing power can let you live to 100. What, Dr. Bob, what the hell do you mean?
2: Well... I mean that, and I call in the book, um, the book is called, originally was called, The Biological Soul. Because what I believe is that there is a soul in us that is physical, a biological soul. The immune system goes throughout the body. It affects every organ in our body. And it's really engineered by our brains. And so the mind-body-spirit, part of the immune system, function is really what I'm discussing in one or two chapters of the book. Now, you know, as a, as a legitimate scientist, I don't want to get too schmoozy, but, you know, my wife, who is an artist who you have met, Cindy, yeah, yeah. was the one who suggested the biological soul because I, did, I began to describe for her, and she is the great Carolyn Palmer, a well-known uh, sculptor and painter. Uh, she said, why don't you just call it the biological soul? Because that's what it is. The mind really controls our function of the immune system, Um, and and by that, it's a very scientific process that the mind controls. Using communication molecules, these molecules that circulate around in your blood, which we call cytokines, they're all regulated by stress, happiness, uh, and uh, the kind of things we eat, the emotions we feel, whether you're spiritual or non-spiritual, all of that has a great deal to do with immune function.
1: Okay, let me and just I, ask as a simplicity. Doesn't much of it these illnesses come in many cases from states of consciousness? Isn't that what you're saying?
2: Yes, that's correct. States of consciousness are very very important. The immune system of people who are not um who are not in immune or let, me, let me put it another way. People who are incapable of thinking, people who are um, mentally disabled, that's what I'm looking for. People with hereditary conditions that prevent them to be totally um, competent are at great risk, for example, of COVID infection. Uh, we know that people who have certain chromosomal abnormalities are susceptible to COVID, but we also know that people, and, and this is in the book, that some of the conditions that we have, behavioral like depression, like schizophrenia, like autism, may all be related to what happens in the immune system. And I go out on a limb in saying that, but I back it up with, with data from the scientific literature. It's a little bit complicated, But I try to simplify it in the book so that everybody understands
1: it. Well, hasn't medicine changed? Years ago, physical conditions were never connected to spirituality. That's the new thing today. Isn't that so? Isn't that where we're going? That
2: is true. You're absolutely correct. But we still don't understand how spirituality affects our bodies we do know and this is this is ageless i mean thousands of years we have known that spirituality does affect the way we have resistance to infections it enhances our immunity and it affects almost every aspect of our lives from the biome and i have a whole section on the biome you know the bowel the organisms in the bowel the organisms on the skin and how we actually affect these organisms and how these organisms help to protect us. For example, somebody with a certain kind of a bacterial um, colony in their bodies will not respond to the COVID vaccine the same way as another person with a different bacterial colony in their bowel. We know that autistic children that have um, certain kinds of organisms growing in their bowel are different than children that do
1: not have... um, Okay, let's get off the bowel part. You write that the the immune system is like a bodily police force. That's right. what, What does that mean?
2: Well, it's a protective network. It's a protection system that has existed long before the concept of a police force. And so you have all sorts of units within the body, different kinds of responses. The innate response, which is immediate, and that's what happens when you get infected with the, the COVID virus. That innate immune response has its particular kinds of cells, which raise alarms. There are actually defensins and alarmins in the blood. Those are the names of those proteins. And they alert other cells to react. And that's the second kind of immune system is called the adaptive immune system. And that's the immune system that makes the antibodies that you hear about these proteins in the blood that attach to foreign invaders like the COVID virus. And that, that is part of your immune system that is very, very strong and robust. And the vaccines produce this kind of cellular immunity, which is long lasting, maybe negates the need for a booster shot. And it also produces the humoral immunity, which is what makes these neutralizing antibodies that everybody likes to measure, providing, say, uh, protection. Oh, my gosh, I have antibodies. Antibodies are only one part of the immune response.
1: Okay, so what's so great about how you, my friend, you live? What do you eat? How healthy are you?
2: Well, I try to keep my
1: diet as good as possible. Oh, but like please. I've else eaten with you. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> and I've even paid. I've even been the one who pays the bill. And I've seen what you take in. You sh- okay, tell me. You'll eat I'm lousy I'm fried foods like the, maker, the rest the of us. <laughs> I've seen it. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
2: well you know, you, yeah. you try to eat good yeah. food. Yeah. And I mean, the food that we eat, we try not to be too fat. And the most important thing we have to do is exercise, because as I say in the book, and I don't know if you've read the part on exercise, yoga, um, meditation, all of those things have a great effect on your host resistance and on your immune system. They're really, really, it's all tied together. And the Asians, the Chinese, the Japanese had it right. They've been meditating, doing yoga, uh, you know, tai chi, Qigong, all of these processes that I've seen when I visit China are very, very important. Uh, and they are all part of, the, uh, of keeping yourself healthy. And that's why people live a long time, people who prescribe these various events, uh, various things, these diets.
1: How long did it take you to write this thing? It took me five months and how did and they how did fast. they how did they pare you down from your psychological conversations i mean everything you say is so medical normally that we can't understand it all
2: yes well i had a developmental editor a brilliant guy in boston named jim eber and jim is a real pro and everything I wrote, I sent to Jim and I let Jim read it back and say, do you understand this, Jim? And he said, no. And he's, <laughs> he's not a scientist. He's a writer. And he said, no, I don't get it. And I said, OK, I'm going to rewrite it. And finally, I got the hang of it. And I started writing very, very simply. And at the very beginning of the book, if you read the book, I have a note that says, I'm Dr. Bob LaHita, MD, PhD, and all my sundry initials and fellowships with this society and that. And I said, but then there's Dr. Bob. And Dr. Bob is how I talk to uh, common people, my patients, my family, uh, so that you can understand me. It's a very conversational book if you've read parts of it.
1: Well, I, I have. Were you eating any lousy food when you were writing it?
2: <laughs> of course. <laughs>
1: I mean, really, I mean, the way you're talking, we're supposed to eat just gravy and we're supposed to eat oatmeal and we're supposed to run 25 blocks. Who the hell can do all that?
2: You're right. Nobody. But you can do your (laughs) best. You can do your best. You can get on the bicycle two or three times a week. If you have one of those bicycles at home or you can get out in traffic, just be careful. Yeah. Or you can you can get on an elliptical if you've got bad hips and knees and go up and down and run. Uh, on the elliptical for a couple of miles, and if you if you're really in good shape, you can be in either run outside or you can get on a treadmill in the gym. Now the problem with the gym is everybody's grunting, sweating, uh, yelling. Uh, that is not the place to go if you've not been vaccinated, because you're in the gym. You're definitely gonna, you're you know sure as God made potatoes, you're going to get the COVID. So you've got to be careful. You you just can't uh, run amok.
1: Well, what is you know civilization what I mean? basically supposed to give up? Smoking, drinking, lousy food, sex, what? What is? What are we supposed to do? What?
2: No. You, you, you exercise well. You eat a good diet, making sure you don't have too many carbs. I personally like meat. There are a lot of people that are only vegetarians. All of these things have great merit, and I write about that in the book. But I also advise people to really become spiritual, sit back and meditate at least three or four times a week. It only takes 10 minutes to do that. Uh, you can meditate. You can do yoga and stretch. Keep your body as though it's a big metropolis. I think I used that example. It's like a big city that has many working parts. As we age, just like the city ages, you know, the pipes start to rot. The, uh, the uh, various parts of the city start to fall apart. And it requires that you stay healthy. It take your A lot of people take vitamins. A lot of people take supplements. And I talk about, and I have a section in the book about herbs. Oh, and forget it. All vitamins.
1: I know is the next time I'm stuck taking you to dinner, I'm going to give you some spinach, <laughs> vegetables, and you can shut up. I love you. I love you. I love you, Dr. Bob. It's your turn for dinner, okay? <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. I love you. I love you. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye, Goodbye, babe.
0: It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Okay, my little good night. Me, I am a terminal New Yorker. Born here, live here, been everywhere, but never live anywhere else. It's my religion. I am a devout New Yorker, but it's getting so tough. Prices high, morale low, congestion rough, traffic impossible. You can no longer get Crosstown now unless you're born there. And if our temporary mayor says one more time that crime is down in this city, it will only be because we've run out of victims. Talk to you next Sunday again, same time, 1 p.m. to 2. Bye.